0: Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Otto Penzler. If you're a fan of mystery, crime, or suspense writing, you've almost certainly heard of Otto. First, he's the owner of the Mysterious Bookshop in New York City. In 1976, he founded the Mysterious Press Publishing Company, which published hundreds, if not thousands, of mystery novels and anthologies. He sold Mysterious Press to Warner Books in the late 1980s. And he's also the publishing industry's most prolific mystery anthologist. For years, he was editor of the Best American Mystery Stories annual anthology. And this year, he's launching a new annual anthology, The Mysterious Bookshop Presents, the best mystery stories of the year. And beyond the annual anthologies, Otto edits numerous min- mystery anthologies based on various themes and uh uh Topics. Recent titles include The Big Book of Victorian Mysteries, The Big Book of Espionage, Golden Age Detective Stories, and Biblio Mysteries, Stories of Crime and the World of Books and Bookstores. Otto Pinsler, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Jeff. It's great to be here. Sure. Well, the volume of books and anthologies that I've just described is massive. This first question really isn't about mysteries or editing per se, but seriously how do you manage this volume of editing and work? you're reading tons of stories all the time. How do you keep track and um how do you you know um, manage your days?
1: I have no life i <laughs> simply I, I read uh all the time um, you know I make up with hard work uh, what I lack in genius. I just spend a lot of time reading, editing, and, uh, and writing. This is, uh, it, it really is my life. It's common for me to work a 70 or 80 hour work week. Um, but I have to say, I mean, to put that in context, I'm not a coal miner. My work is reading mostly, <laughs> you know, so it, this is what I used to do for fun. I am the most fortunate person on the planet. I got to make my passion, my great love, which was reading into a career. So every day that I work 12 or 13 or 14 hours is really a lot of fun. Uh, not all of it. I can guarantee you not all of it is fun, Uh, (laughs) but so much of it is that I feel truly blessed.
0: That's great. Well, obviously, as, um, I described in the intro and, and all of the work that you've done over the years, You're someone who is not only knowledgeable about mystery fiction, but as you just said, you you absolutely love the work that you do and you love mystery fiction. I'm curious, what were the very first mystery stories or novels that you read that kind of got you hooked on the genre?
1: It was, uh, you know, oddly people think that uh, that I've been reading mystery fiction since I was four, Uh, but it's not true. When I was a kid, I read science fiction. And I read a lot of nonfiction. Uh, so I, I was an English major at Michigan, go blue. And, uh, when I came back to New York, I wanted to keep reading because I always, always, always want to read. Uh, but I didn't want to keep hurting my head by, by reading T.S. Eliot and Ezra Pound and uh, James Joyce and the Russian novelists. <laughs> so I was looking around, uh, like, what would I like to read that would be not hurt my head, but would be fun. So I thought, I'll read, I'll read some mysteries. And I picked up, I was smart enough to pick up the greatest book in the genre, which is the complete Sherlock Holmes, 56 short stories, four novels. I still remember the copy that I had. It was the double day, uh, edition with an introduction by Christopher Morley. Um, and I, I liked very much, uh, the first book, a study in Scarlet. I really liked the second book, the sign of four novel, the second novel, uh, love the short stories, but then I read the Hound of the Baskervilles and it was late at night. I was in, I was reading in bed, uh, which is where I used to be able to read all the time. Now I'm so old that if I try to read in bed, I fall asleep in 30 seconds. <laughs> uh, but I, I remember this, this one scene in the Hound of the Baskervilles where Dr. Mortimer Visits Sherlock Holmes and tells him about this terrible murder, where uh, an aristocrat had his throat ripped out. And uh, and Holmes said, "Is there any clues? Is there anything to point to the possible uh, murderer?" And he said, "Well, there are footprints around the body." And Holmes said, "Were they footprints of a, of a man or a woman?" And Doctor Mortimer says, "Holmes, they were the footprints of a gigantic hound." Oh my God, <laughs> my, I, I got goosebumps, uh, my hair on my arms stood up and everything. And I was hooked and I read voraciously in the mystery world, uh, mostly the, the golden age writers, the British, especially British writers like Agatha Christie, and Dorothy Sayers and Anthony Berkeley. Then I switched to, uh, found some great Americans like John Dixon Carr and Ellery Queen And uh, I was loving all of that. I loved solving the puzzles or trying to solve the puzzles. And then I discovered Raymond Chandler and Dashiell Hammett. And I recognized, wait a minute, this is great fun to read, but it's also serious literature.
0: Well, given the volume of short stories that you read, do you also read a lot of mystery novels as well?
1: Well, I used to read a lot of mystery novels. I don't read very much anymore outside of manuscripts. Because I, you know, I'm running for publishing companies, mm-hmm. the the Mysterious Press, uh, which publishes literary crime fiction. I, I publish uh, Andrew Clavin, Joyce Carol Oates, uh, Thomas Perry, and others, uh, and Scarlet, which uh, publishes uh, domestic suspense, psychological suspense, the American Mystery Classics series which are golden age, uh, mysteries from the twenties, thirties, and forties, many of which I read 50 years ago and I'm rereading to make sure that they hold up. And so between reading all of those, as well as the short stories for the, uh, the big anthologies that I do, uh, there's very little time for me to read other mystery novels just for the fun of it. Sure. Sure. Well, I know that you know and are friends with
0: many mystery writers through both through both your editing and uh, your ownership of the Mysterious Bookshop. But putting that aside, I I wonder who are your favorite mystery writers, short story writers from the past twenty five or
1: thirty years? Mm, It's a great question, Jeff. Um, Sometimes those writers are dead, so I would always put at the top Arthur Conan Doyle. I mean, he he's I think. Uh, a, a remarkable achievement that he was able to do, you know. If you read Victorian mystery fiction, or re- Victorian fiction of of any kind, which I love, I love reading nineteenth century uh, Wilkie Collins, uh, and, uh, and and Charles Dickens, of course, and and many others. But you know, if reading today, you know, in a world where things tend to move a little bit more quickly, uh, our attention span may not be quite as great as it used to be. And so uh, they move a little bit slowly, and they seem old. They seem like old stories because of the different time, the different era, and the different pacing of the books, whether they're short stories or novels. They just move more slow. But the Sherlock Holmes stories read as if they were written yesterday. They they move along so well. The, the writing is so smooth, so fluid that um, that there's no way to for me to say, oh, there's somebody better than that. However, I do have other, uh, writers that I love, uh, an unknown, a fairly unknown writer. He's not unknown, but he's not as well-known as he ought to be is Stanley Ellen? Stanley Ellen was probably the best short story writer of the 20th century. Um, he's most famous for a story called the specialty of the house, uh, which Alfred Hitchcock filmed for his TV show. And in fact, more than 10 of his stories were filmed for television by uh by alfred hitchcock and uh se- several of his novels also were uh were filmed um cornell Woolrich, the great cornell Woolrich, i loved his novels i love his novels uh the bride wore black <clears throat> the whole black series black alibi black path of fear rendezvous in black and so on uh bride wore black was filmed by um francois truffaut who also filmed Wolves into Darkness, but his short stories are remarkable. I did a book with uh, with Random House uh, called uh, The Big Book of Real Murders, R-E-E-L, stories that um, were made into movies. And I usually try to keep my big anthologies to uh, one story per author. But with Woolrich, I couldn't do it. Nine short stories appear in that book. <laughs> wow! Because they were they were filmed. I mean, the most famous film uh, based on a Woolwich story is Rear Window. Uh, so he's he's a great favorite. But there are so many wonderful short story writers. Joyce Carol Oates is a great favorite of mine. I publish her uh, her short story collections as well as some of her novels. Uh, she had, is so original in finding new ways to scare. Uh, she, I think she's unmatched in that area. So there are, there are many. I, I it's almost impossible to list my favorite writers, my favorite sure. books, favorite short stories. Although I like to, cause I like to share the writers that I love with other people. I, it was one of my favorite things when I worked every day in the bookshop, uh, recommending writers to people. And, uh, I don't get to do that too much anymore. I'm in my office, uh, where I work 90% of my time as, as a publisher.
0: Well, I'm curious. You mentioned the Sherlock Holmes stories. Have you heard the uh, the latest audiobook version read by Stephen Fry? I'm curious what you think of that.
1: I'm sorry, I don't listen to audiobooks. Okay. I, I read books. Uh, I I read stories in books, and, and so I'm when I when I'm when I'm not editing a manuscript or or reading only short stories. But I I listened to one audio about 30 years ago. It's not my <laughs> thing. I don't, I live in New York, so I don't, it's not like, you know, most of the country where people drive everywhere. Sure, sure. Nobody in New York drives. So if if they're sane.
0: Well, I'm curious, how do you decide on a new mystery anthology? Do you keep a list
1: of of ideas and themes? Um, That's another good question, Jeff. Um, They, you know, I started uh, years ago, a publisher in England approached me and said, you know, we,
3: with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
1: And would you could you do an anthology of uh, the great crime fighters in from the pulps? And I said, sure. I, l- I read a lot of pulp fiction back in the day, and I like it. And uh, so I put that together. And it was quite successful. And he said, "Could you do another one, uh, Women in the Pulps, Which was a little harder because pulp, the pulp um, mystery pulps from the twenties, thirties, and forties tended to be aimed more at a male reader. So mm-hmm. there were uh, there weren't that many female um, uh, heroines in that series, but there were there were some good female thieves. And so I did put together the big book of female detectives with some, um, some crooks as well. And that did well. So we did a third volume called the big book of, uh, of villains. Uh, and there were a lot of those in the pulp. So that was fun. My Ameri- then an uh, editor in America who I'd worked with on something else said, we'd like to do a big book of pulps, big book of pulp fiction and do all three books together. And I said, well, you can't, all those books were over 500 pages. He said, no, we can and so we published the Big Book of Pulps. It was about eleven hundred pages, double columns, slightly oversized. And I had the greatest publicist in the world. And it made and that book an anthology made the bestseller list. So we said, well, let's do another. And we did another and then another and another. So once a year I did a big book. Uh and they all had big book in the title. The big right. book of the, the latest is the the big book of Victorian Mysteries. And to to do one of those, so I would turn in the book that were due to be delivered in October. And the previous the book I turned in the previous October was published in October. So once a year I delivered a book, I had lunch with my editor, and he said, Okay, yeah, what's your next idea? <laughs> and I would generally have another idea, the big book of Sherlock Holmes stories, uh, big book of Christmas mysteries. Um And so we, I've done 11 or 12 and, um, this year I turned in my, the book and I said, that's it. I don't have any more ideas. Plus I really don't have time running four publishing companies, which I wasn't, uh, in the early years of doing these pubs. I was, uh, I was running one. Uh, it's just so time consuming that I couldn't do it in order to do these books properly. Yes, I read a lot of these stories when I was younger and I remember them, but you have to read them again. You know, what you think is really great at the age of 25, Right. Uh, 50 years later, uh, you may not hold up, you know, for a more modern reader or my taste may have changed or gotten better. And so in order to do one of these books properly, I had to read between three, four, even 500 stories to come up with the kind of book that I would be proud of and that I, that I think readers would like.
0: I'm curious about your editing process, uh, with the annual best short story anthologies. Are you reading stories throughout the year and making lists of possible stories for inclusion? Do you wait until the end of the year? What, what's your process on that one? Um,
1: the process is, um, i subscribe subscribed to over a hundred literary, uh, journals, uh, every popular journal, uh, magazine that you could strand Ellery Queen magazine, Hitchcock, uh, I get all the anthologies of mystery fiction, and uh, and look online at ezines, electronic magazines. I have a wonderful reader, a, a woman named Michelle Slung, who has been working with me for about forty years. She's a brilliant editor, brilliant reader, and a fast reader, which is just as important as as the rest. Because she looks at between three and four thousand stories a year, believe it or not. You can't tell a mystery story that you read in the New Yorker or Playboy or whatever other popular uh consumer magazines there are uh you can't tell by the title uh and so she looks at every story every short story uh that comes in front of her she's very very fast and then from that she calls she throws away the non mysteries and uh and eliminates some of the really poorly written stories and then sends me usually about a couple of hundred stories a year for me to read and we read them starting on january 1 and read them all year round and then she sends me batches of them and so we work at it all year i keep a list of every story that i read with uh with a little synopsis to remind me because if i read books if i read stories in in march by the time november comes around i may not remember everything about that story because i've read you know a couple of hundred stories sure. in between so it's the calendar year and so yeah all year round and then from that uh I pick the 50 best which by which I mean the 50 that I like the most right and send those to the guest editor mm-hmm. who picks the final uh 20 and uh that's that's what we've been doing uh so as long as I've been doing this series the uh the the mysterious bookshop presents the best mysteries of the year um uh, which was the first in this series being published by Mysterious Press. Lee Child was the guest editor, uh, who's such a smart guy, uh, such a wonderful friend and, and uh, wonderful writer. Just, a, I'm a great fan of him. He's a hero to me. And wrote a brilliant, brilliant introduction, uh, which is available for, for your readers if they like mystery fiction. They should sub- subscribe to Crime Reads, um, it's free, and uh, it comes out every other day, uh, and they should subscribe to that. And that introduction was published on Crime Reads, and and everybody loved it when they read it. That's great. Uh, I'm curious, given the volume that you're reading
0: uh, for these annual anthologies of the best mystery stories of the year, what, what trends or how has mystery fiction changed in the last
1: 10 to 25 years? That you're seeing. Uh, yeah, it's there. There are several trends that, uh, some a little bit more recent than others. One thing that really started to happen about 20, 25 years ago was a, a more blurring of the lines between literary fiction and mystery fiction or crime fiction. Uh, it used to be that it was fairly simple to simply categorize a, a book, a novel or a short story. As either literary fiction or um, or crime fiction, mystery fiction, but as a lot of uh, literary writers have now taken to writing books of suspense and crime and murder, and a lot of mystery writers have become much more literary in their writing. It's not just about puzzles anymore. It's not just about detective stories. It's about. Uh, it, it's less about how done it or who done it than it is about why done it. And that's a literary uh, uh, usage that is, uh, that's that's a major change. That line has blurred. In the 19th century, that line didn't exist, even though Wilkie Collins and Charles Dickens and others were writing mystery stories. They weren't called mystery writers. They were just right. called writers. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm happy to see that that trend is coming back sure there's uh there are a lot of books that are simply designed to be mysteries uh they're a little less serious than uh than some of the, the best writers um but the the best of it uh is you can't tell the difference between a mystery novel and a literary novel because there is no difference except that the plot has to make more sense the the other change that i've seen I'm going to say it's in the last decade is that there are more um uh, minority writers, uh, black writers, Hispanic writers, uh, that have, that were not really writing a lot of mysteries, uh, until more recent years, Walter Mosley was a great exception. Uh, and there are others, of course, but, but as far as the quantity, the number of writers, uh, and to a large degree, the quality, uh, that has, that has, uh, changed over the last decade. And yet one more change, uh, in that, era, I'm gonna say 25 years, 20 years, mm-hmm. is uh foreign imports. Uh it was probably led by Scandinavian writers. Most sure. of mystery fiction from more than 25 years ago was either English or American. And then the uh some the Scandinavians, certainly uh the the you know the most famous so that you know the girl with the dragon tattoo, the Steve Larson series and and others opened the door to, uh, to Scandinavian noir. And now there are many books being written by Italians, by Spaniards, uh, Germans, Japanese, Chinese. So that is very different from where we were 25 years ago. Sure. Well, you mentioned that you
0: are probably not going to edit any more big book anthologies. I'm curious, are there any other anthologies that you're currently working on besides your your annual best
1: Short The, the short annual best the is, uh, is an annual. So yeah, I'm working on that year round. Sure. Um, and look forward to the next, uh, guest editor is going to be Sarah Paretzky. Uh, but also for my American mystery classics series, uh, the book that came out a, a couple of months ago was, uh, golden age detective stories. Mm-hmm. And uh, the one that I'm putting together now, well, it's actually completed now is golden age vlock boom mysteries and i'll be doing that as an annual also i didn't know if it was going to be successful because publishers always tell you you know anthologies don't sell <laughs> of, of course there are plenty of anthologies published every year and it's not because publishers are kind of hard they're they're, they're going to make some money right so i'm publishing this myself i'm at self publishing which i something i'm not uh i feel a little awkward about uh, but it, I thought it would be an interesting, different kind of book for the American Mystery Classic series. So, and it turned out to be very successful, and we had to go back to press for more. So, Golden Age Mysteries will come out next summer, uh, sometime in, in the in the summer. And I'm already thinking about the book after that, and I'm not sure what it'll be yet, but I, I'll know what I need to know. That's great. Well, where can people find you online if they'd like to learn
0: more about you and your anthologies and your four publishing companies?
1: The the easiest way and the surest way is simply go to the bookshop site, www.mysteriousbookshop.com. And there's a biography of there. You can't get away from me <laughs> around the bookshop. Really, I'm like pigeon droppings. I'm everywhere. so
0: That's great. Well, again, we've been speaking with Otto Pinsler, owner of The Mysterious Bookshop and editor of numerous mystery short story anthologies. Otto's anthologies are available at your local mystery bookstore or via The Mysterious Bookshop or online. So go buy a copy today. And Otto, thanks for doing this interview.
1: Jeff, it was a pleasure.
0: Thanks, everybody, for listening. Great. Thanks a lot.
3: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop.